I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, I cannot bear my burdens alone. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, Jesus can help me, Jesus alone. I'm going to take Danny's place right now. So. Okay. Good. <clears throat> Good job. <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, pastor's away today, and he called me up and asked me to speak today. So okay, I can do that. <clears throat> okay. Uh, my subject is our current church. And we'll be looking primarily at uh, verses 14 through 22. Uh, people look at the seven churches uh, that that's being written to here in the beginning of the book of Revelation. And they, they have various ideas about them. There are always characteristics of each of these seven churches always present. Uh, I'm of the belief that it actually talks about ages that the church will go through. Uh, let's see. Uh, <clears throat> okay. Now in, in chapter 2 it says, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus. Now that's the early church. And then unto the angel of the church of Smyrna. That's the persecuted church where Rome tried to wipe out Christianity altogether. And it got really bad under one of those emperors. Uh, then it says, to the church of the, let's see, to the angel of the church at Pergamos. That's when Rome joined the church. Was it uh, one of the Roman empires demanded all the troops, they, they marched through a river. He says, okay, you've now been baptized. That's not what baptism is. And it, it's, there's a whole lot more to it. The baptism part is only an outward showing of what happened inside. You walk through some water, all you're going to do is get wet. Now, if you trust the Lord Jesus Christ, then the baptism means something. You're identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Marching him through a river, don't make them Christians. Uh, unto the angel of the church in Thyatira. Okay, that's the days of the Roman Catholic Church when they ran the show. Uh, and then, unto the angel of the church of Sa in Sardis. That's uh, chapter 3, verse 1. That's the Reformed churches that uh, uh, left the Catholic Church and they got into their, grew into their orthodoxy, and, and that's when they debated such important theological discussions as how many angels can stand on the head of a pin? Danny, do you know the answer to that one? One. Oh, no, they're immaterial, so a whole bunch of them can be there. It's a big pin. Uh, a what? It's a big pin. No, no, it's just a little head of a pin. So, I mean... You know, uh, this is for what you did to me at 10 o'clock. 
okay. <laughs> fine, fine. Okay. Yeah, you, you got me back. Okay, okay. <laughs> but I mean, that, I mean, that has total, it's totally useless speculation and they're going to spend their, their time spinning wheels just, just talking about how many angels can stand on the head of a pin. See, the thing is, that's why Sardis, he said, you're dead. You're alive, but you're dead. You're, you're living beings, but you're dead spiritually. Okay, then comes the church of, in, uh, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. All right, that's during the great missionary age, starting about 1700s when people started going out and, and realizing we need to talk to other people, tell others about Jesus. And that's when all the missionaries uh, were doing things and translating the scriptures into other languages and so forth. Then it says, okay, it doesn't say uh, unto the angel of the church in. It says, to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. It's totally different now. Well, He says, write to the angel of the church in. He says, now write to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. It's not the church in Laodicea. It's the church of the Laodiceans. It's not, uh, it is their church and not the church in. It's their church. Uh, he's on the outside waiting to come in. You read for a little bit further down. It says, I stand at the door of the church and knock. That's the Lord Jesus trying to get in. He's out of the church. It's their church. It's not the church in. It's their church. Uh, <clears throat> uh, we're off to a bad start. It's not of the church in the city, but the church of the people of the city. No, that's, that's just wrong. Okay, okay. Here, here's an article from October 5th. I just had to bring this up. Pastor's take on coffee in church has par, uh, parishioners scalding hot. Mike Vance, October 5th, 2023. On Saturday, September 30th, a post from Pastor John Piper of Minnesota ignited a fiery discussion regarding the suitability of consuming coffee during Sunday worship services. Remember the Heinz were here? They were just here, you know, this, that past week, you know? And one of the things David told me is they were at a church, visiting, you know, various churches, and uh, in the middle of service, somebody will get up, climb over the pews, to get another cup of coffee and go and climb over the pews, get back to a seat and start <laughs> syruping, co syruping coffee. And, and so that's what this article is about. Uh, regarding the consuming of coffee during uh, Sunday worship services. Can we reassess whether coffee, uh, where the Sunday coffee sipping in the sanctuary fits, Piper posed on X. Uh, previously recognized as Twitter. Uh, serving as a theologian, pastor, and chancellor of Bethlehem College and Seminary in Minneapolis, Piper is a Baptist. <coughs> Sorry, but you know, he, he's one of those controversial Baptists that bring up all kinds of nonsense, you know. And here he is. <sighs> anyway, 
Uh, he also referred to Hebrews 12.28, noting, Let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, uh, in the King James, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. So that was not a King James translation, if you haven't figured it out. <clears throat> Uh, the post by Piper elicited over 1,000 reactions. Some users expressed astonishment at the thought of introducing coffee into reverent church ceremonies, while others remained unfazed. And so, boy, it's just, this is coffee in church. <gasps> of course, you know, we've got the drinkers before church, you know. Lori's <laughs> over there about to bust it. <clears throat> That's how I laugh. Anyway, uh, so you know, coffee drinkers, you know, but in church, huh? Good stuff. Huh? <laughs> but anyway, see, it's, I mean, this this is the Laodicean age. It's what people do, you know, or or let's let's celebrate it using uh, was it uh, hamburgers and Coke? What well, was it? That was. Uh, was that Swindoll? Yeah, that was Swindoll. Said, well, we're out on the beach. Let's let's have communion. Hey, let's get some ha uh, some McDonald's and we'll celebrate communion with hamburgers and Coke. Uh, there's, there's nothing scriptural whatsoever about that. It's leavened bread with beef. Okay, that's I don't know if that that would that would really wouldn't fit with with communion because what's with the beef anyway? And then you've got Coke. Oh yeah, you, you leave Coke sit for a while and you don't want to touch it after a while. You know, you leave wine sitting out, it'll evaporate eventually, but it won't get rotten like Coke will. But uh, you know, this is the day of Laodicea. It's we're doing our own thing. And that's pretty much what you see that all around you nowadays. It's it's the age of our church. It's it's the age of Laodicea. <clears throat> uh, revelation oh, oh yeah okay okay let's, let's go on okay okay yeah okay who is the person speaking here oh okay <clears throat> and and it says thus saith the amen the faithful and true witness the beginning of the creation of God okay the amen uh, uh, some places uh, other other translations call it uh, truly or uh, verily, verily, I say unto you. Uh, another way of tr tr it's translated is truly, truly, I say unto you. Amen, amen. Is, is what's actually said is amen, amen. And then he says something. Well, they translate it verily, verily. and Or anyway, so it's truly, truly. It, that's what he's saying. It's he is the truth. He is the Amen. He is the truth. Uh, Isaiah 65, verse 16, that he who blesseth himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of truth. That's Amen, by the way, in Hebrew. And he that sweareth in the earth shall swear by the God of truth because the former troubles are forgotten because they are hid from mine eyes. The word there, Truth is Amen, it, it, and the God of Amen is what's going on in Isaiah uh, seven nine. 
the word believe is um, is amen. And it says, and the head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Ramah. That lay that that person's son. Yeah, that that's close enough for gum work. If ye will not believe or amen, surely ye shall not be established. If ye will not believe, that's the word amen. It's actually a future tense of amen. So it's it's, but it's believe. It's truth. What's what's what are you holding on to? It's that's what we're talking about. The truth. The God of truth. The God of amen. In Second Corinthians one twenty, for all the promises of God in Him are yea and in Him amen or truly unto the glory of God by us. He's He's the God of Amen. He's the God of truth. He's the God of this shall come to pass. In John chapter one verse fifty one. And he saith unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see heaven open and the angels of God descending, ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. The Greek says, Amen, Amen. Other places translated as truly, truly. So he said unto them, Truly, Amen, Amen, I say unto you, Hereafter ye shall see. This is truth. He is the Amen. He is the truth. He is the absolute end of all things. This is the one who is speaking. And then, uh, the next phrase, faithful and true witness. Uh, there's uh, something in the Bible that says, thou shalt not, shalt not bear false witness. Anybody ever recall that? It's somewhere in the, the commandments. Uh, uh, it, in other words, a faithful and true witness. He is a trustworthy and true witness. He is not making stuff up. He is not telling a lie. He is faithful. He is worthy of our trust and he is speaking the truth. This is the witness that he is. This is the one speaking. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. Uh, these things are necessary for this uh, to, to ha be a true witness. One, to have seen with his own eyes what he attests. This, this is, I've seen it. I've, I can test this, attest to the fact this is so. To be competent, uh, two, to be competent to relate it to others. And three, to be willingly, to be willing truthfully to do so. In Christ, all these conditions are met. Okay, then he says, the beginning of the creation of God. I, I thought we were all evolved from monkeys. That's what science tells us. And, and, and they've got all kinds of high-tech equipment to prove that it's been so many thousands and millions of years. Uh, I read an article. We just found out that humans came to, the, to North America not just 40,000 years ago, but 50,000 years ago. Isn't that amazing? We came here uh, uh, 10,000 years earlier than we thought. Of course now, according to what I understand of the scriptures, 
Earth's been around for, what, 6,000 years now. So, so how do they get that 40,000 or 50,000 years before people came to America? Something's not, that doesn't sound right to me. You know, somebody's got a screw loose or something. But they, now is the day of, of uh, no, I don't, don't believe that Bible stuff. You know, that's nonsense. Well, we came from monkeys. Well, okay, but then even Charles Darwin said, you know, if there's things you can't see, then uh, that might throw my whole idea out the door. Anybody ever heard of DNA and chromosomes? Even Jerry has, so we know everybody's had that. Okay, so, <laughs> sorry, Jerry. <laughs> but I mean, you know, monkeys have a different number of chromosomes than humans. Uh, I think, uh, uh, if I recall correctly, shrimp have the same number of chromosomes as humans. We're related to shrimp? I thought it came from monkeys, but anyway, you know. Monkeys don't have the same number of chromosomes in their, their DNA and so forth. There's, there's so many... It's, it's nuts to even think of evolution that a monkey could become a human because they would have to have the same number of chromosomes. But it just don't fit. It just don't fit together. It, 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 it's, it's skewed. They, they didn't know what they're talking about. We didn't come from no monkeys because we ain't got the same number of chromosomes. For us to have the same number of chromosomes, then maybe there'd be something to it. But we believe in evolution. That Bible stuff, nonsense. I tell you what, the Bible is absolutely true. Those days of praise, they're given to us by the Institute for Creation Research. These, you have to have a PhD in some sort of hard science. And uh, so these guys, they, they got some smarts to them, okay? You got a, at least a master's degree or a PhD to be a member. Well, okay, they understand what's being said. You know, these people say, yeah, we, we came... Uh, we came to, uh, let's see, I mean, humans came to North America 50,000 years instead of 40,000 years. Well, why do you say that long? Well, because we, we do a, 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 the carbon testing of the stuff around, and, and so that tells us when it happened. Well, why do you say the carbon dating is this? Well, because, you know, that's what we've, you know, we do all the our, this research, and, and, and so, yeah, smoke and mirrors, and, and yeah, so it's 50,000 years ago. Uh, but but if, 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 now that there's a, a very neat, teeny tiny insignificant chance if there was a worldwide flood that'd mess up all our calculations. So, so since there wasn't one, we can go on you know, and say, yes, so it's 50,000 years because the stuff around it, you know, the carbon dating, all this kind of stuff. So it's 50,000 years. So, so you can be rest assured since there wasn't a worldwide flood that, that we're accurate in everything we're saying. Okay? You agree with that? So anyway, why did he put this on the Laodicean time? He knew it was going to be the big thing in our day and age. He knew it. And so that's why he's, he's talking about the beginning of the creation. He's not one of the created ones. He is the one doing the creation. The one that spoke, let there be light. That was the Lord Jesus speaking. The Father told him what to say or gave him they communicated and he said let there be light God the Holy Spirit 
moved and poof, there's light. So this was the Lord Jesus Christ creating all things. So he was the beginning of the creation. He is the source of creation. He's the, the Bible talks about him as the archetype. He's the, the design for everything that was created. It's the Lord Jesus. And one day we will see him face to face. He is our reason for existence. He is the source of all things we see. And I could go on and on about this. And yet, people want to say, we came from monkeys. Well, now, some of these people that say that, I, I guess I can see there that, yeah, they're related to monkeys somehow. I think it's more in the, <coughs> their, their, their minds. Uh, anyway, so, sorry. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> uh, uh, J. Vernon McGee says, we live in a day when the myth of evolution, the evolutionary hypothesis, by the way, they say it's the theory of evolution. No, it's, it's, they, haven't, they can't prove. A theory is something you can prove. So it's only a hypothesis, and they're trying to prove that this hypothesis is a theory. So it's not even a theory, it's a hypothesis. Uh, Anyway, that is what is accepted. A college professor, a friend of mine, who was accepted, who has accepted the evolutionary hypothesis, said to me, I want facts. I want science. I said, wait a minute. There are, uh, there are not but two explanations for the origin of this universe in which you and I live. One is speculation, because nobody was there to see it and nobody is able to come up with the answer. The other is revelation. What the Word of God has to say. That's the revelation of God. Uh, very frankly, the difference between you and me is that you accept speculation and I accept revelation. As far as I am concerned, I feel that I am on more solid ground because I have the testimony of the one who did the creating and he ought to know something about it. The Lord Jesus is the beginning of the creation of God. He was there. He created. He gave a testimony of what it was. And Moses wrote it down in the book of Genesis. We have the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now are you going to believe that? Or are you going to believe these guys that speculate and we think this is what happened and we hypothesize that this is what happened and, and we, we can explain this. And, and yet you take five evolutionists and each one of them can disprove the other four. That's right. And you take this one and he can disprove all these others. They all have their own pet theory about what happened and they can all totally disprove everybody else but they can't do anything about the scriptures why hmm and, and those guys there from days of praise institute for creation research these guys look at the same stuff and they say yeah you're full of it because the bible is the word of god and it explains it just fine the way it did. God created all things. Let there be light. He gave, he created energy. And then he put uh, sun and stars and so forth for to be sources of energy. And 
So it makes perfect sense. And then, uh, once there's energy, you got water, and he's separated, you got dry land, so he created plants, and then he created animals, and then he created the, the crowning event of creation, and that was mankind. And boy, did we mess it up big time there. Hmm. So anyway, <clears throat> so we went off into sin. Okay, to whom is the Lord Jesus speaking? Yeah, okay. Okay. Okay, the, he's speaking to the people of, let's see, the church of the Laodiceans. That's who he's speaking to. Laodice Laodicea means either the people ruling or the judgment of the people. And neither one of those sounds comforting to me. Uh, Laodicea was destroyed by an earthquake in AD 62 and rebuilt by its wealthy citizens without the help of the state. Uh, this wealth, arising from the excellence of its wools, led to a self-satisfied, lukewarm state in spiritual things. Uh, it is thought to have been written by to the Laodicea, oh yeah, yeah the Colossian, the, the book of Colossians uh, on the epistle was thought to have been written to the Laodicean church by Paul. The church in late, latter times was apparently flourishing for one of the councils at which the canon of scripture has determined was held in Laodicea in AD 361. Hardly a Christian is now to be found on or near its site. Hmm. Because they were lukewarm and it kind of fizzled off. Uh, it boasted an excellent medical school, which, again, was very primitive and actually very heathen. Uh, here is where they developed what was known in the Roman world as uh, Ferdian powder, a salve for the ears and eyes. Laodicea was also the, the center of, of industry and extensive banking operations. Lots of money coming in. The hills have a funny color. The people took the clay from those hills and put it with spikenard and they made it into a salve for the eyes and ears. This salve was shipped all over the Roman Empire. Today, the chemical analysis reveals that there is nothing healing in that clay at all, but somebody made good money with all that in that day. Snake oil. And everybody bought it and so yeah, I got salve for my ears and eyes. Yeah, it's it's we ban it, but it does absolutely nothing. But it's 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 de declared to be really good for you. I got a neighbor that that it could see the, after applying this salve. So it's got to be good, right? <clears throat> yeah. Well, anyway. And anyway, uh, also, no praise is bestowed on this church, but only blame for its lukewarmness. Yeah, that's not comfortable. It says, verse 15, I know thy works, and thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of... Uh, that's actually another way of saying I'll vomit you out. Uh, because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Okay, <clears throat> what is the, the uh, 
message complaint. Okay? Well, I just read that. And J. Vernon McGee says, uh, with other churches, when the church says, I know thy works, he meant good works. He was commending them for their good works. But the Lord Jesus has no word of commendation for this church. All all is condemnation here. Even the works which are not good works, they are all evil works. Uh, Thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. Uh, This had a background with a local meaning for the people of that day. Being down in the valley, they had difficulty getting water in Laodicea. It was, uh, as it stood there in the ruins, uh, as J. Vernon McGee stood there in the ruins, I looked south toward the uh, Phrygian mountains, some of which were high, and there well, uh, and I was there around the 1st of June and there was still an abundance of snow on top of those mountains. The Laodiceans built an aqueduct to bring that cold water down from the mountains. Uh, when it left the mountains it was ice cold but by the time it made the trip all the way down the mountains to Laodicea it was lukewarm and lukewarm water is not very good. Down in the valley where the Lycus River joins the uh, Macander River there are hot springs. The springs are so hot that steam is produced. The Turkish government has capped it and is using it today and I understand they develop its use for even more because it is there in abundance. It was the hottest water you can imagine. A lot of it was just steam. However, when they would take this hot water up to Laodicea, by the time it got there, it was no longer hot. It had become lukewarm water. A cold church actually means a church that has denied every cardinal doctrine in the faith and is given over to formality and carries on an active opposition to the word of God and the gospel of Christ. You find today in liberalism that they are an active opposition to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hot speaks of those with real spiritual fervor and passion like the Christians in Ephesus. Although they were uh, even getting a little away from their best love, their first love. <clears throat> the Spirit of God had brought them to a high pitch in their personal relationship with Christ. That's the Ephesus church. That's a hot church. <clears throat> uh, but instead, Laodicea is... Uh, neither hot nor cold they're lukewarm it is this condition of the church today it's unfortunate but it is a condition of great many so called fundamental conservative churches thank God there are a few who did not come under this classification but the thing that is absolutely startling and frightening and fearful is that he says I will spew thee out of my mouth in other words I will vomit you out of my mouth Does that sound to you like the church which he is going to rapture to whom he says I go to prepare a place for you and if I come and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there ye may be also. That's John 14 verses 2 and 3. I don't think so. That that is the church he draws to himself. But there, here is a church that just vomits, he just vomits out because it is lukewarm. Lukewarm water makes you sick at your stomach. I am of the opinion that he spoke a lot 
spoke to a lot of churches today, he would say, you make me sick, my stomach, stick at my stomach, you professed Christians, you say you love me, but you say it, but you don't mean it. That's a lot of the, uh, what God said to the Jews. You say, you, you say with your mouth that you're, you're, you're drawing nigh to me with your mouth, but your hearts are far from me. <clears throat> because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Increased with goods means I have gotten riches. The reference is to imagined spiritual riches. Uh, in 1 Timothy 6.5 it says, Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. Yes, we have, we have lots and lots of money. Come look at our crystal palace, all these fancy schmancy things we have. God is blessing us. You need to join with us and give us your money too. <clears throat> no, no. But then it says, And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable. By the way, miserable means one who is the object of pity. You need to pity this person. You need to pity this group of Christians and this place in Laodicea and poor and blind and naked. So, what is the message solution? Message's solution? Uh, I counsel of thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. Behold, I stand at the door of your church and knock. If any individual in that church will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am sat down with my father in his throne. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> he gives us a lot of things that they needed, but yet they rejected it. Gold tried in the fire. This is, this is actually the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ it is perfect. It is pure. And it will give us great wealth. It is the Lord Jesus Christ that through His shed blood brought, gave us salvation. We couldn't have it any other way. This is what we need to be rich. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ on our lives. And then raiment. This speaks of the righteousness of Christ. If you don't have Christ's righteousness, you're sitting there butt naked and with nothing. And unfortunately, God sees all of us in our real situation. And it's very uncomfortable to be seen with everything I know about me. And he knows a lot more about me. And whew, that's embarrassing. But I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has given me of his righteousness. So God sees me in the righteousness of Christ not my own righteousness because I ain't got none. He sees me in the righteousness of Christ and 
I am not naked. Boy. <clears throat> okay, and then the, and anoint, anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. This speaks of the Holy Spirit who opens the eyes of believers today. Uh, I spoke the last few times of uh, the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what we're talking about. We need God the Holy Spirit in us to open our eyes, give, our, give light to our eyes so we can read God's Word and know what is ours and what we have in Christ and all that we are in Christ and our responsibilities to the God who has given us salvation. All these things, that's why we need to anoint our eyes so we can read the Scriptures and get something out of it. We need God's Holy Spirit to direct us. <clears throat> he says... I rebuke and chasten those I love. Hebrews chapter yeah, yeah, 12, verses 5 through 11. And ye have forgotten... Oh, sorry, Danny, to step on, you know, this, this same, same stuff. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. Now, I did a study on... Uh, paideia, that's the Greek word that's translated as chastening. It's also translated as instruction and uh, various other ways. So I'm going to just call it disciplining. God does not punish His children. He disciplines His children. Uh, <clears throat> he gets our attention. For whom the lo Lord loveth, He chasteneth, or He disciplines. And my daddy used to... Uh, uh, do that a lot to me, so uh, um, um, I've been disciplined a little bit. Uh, anybody ever heard of being taken out to the woodshed? Am I the only one that was went there? Other people went there. Okay, good. I don't feel so bad. Okay, good. Uh, <clears throat> For whom the lo Lord loveth, he disciplines and scourges every son whom he receiveth. Oh yeah, okay, yep. If ye endure disciplining or chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? If the father doesn't chasten you, he hates you. If the father loves you, he's going to discipline you to make you a productive member of society, to make you an individual that can stand on your own, that can make you an individual that is worthy to be around other people. Can you, can you imagine, uh, well, you've probably met some people that are real brats as little kids and they grow up to be a brat and you just don't want to be around them because they're obnoxious, they're very temperamental, they, they, there's no discipline in their lives. Anybody ever met those people? Yeah, Ray, yeah, you, you get them all the time in the store, don't you? Uh, but I mean, uh, you, you, okay. Uh, so if God loves you, he's going to discipline you and help you to become better. But if ye be without a chastisement, if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we've had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us, disciplined us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit 
that we might be partakers of His holiness. Now no chastening or discipline for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness to all them that are exercised thereby. And most of you already heard what Danny said in the last hour, talking about this, and he went on to 11, and 13, 11 12, 13 as well. Uh, this is the key to the fact that of escaping sin and escaping the power of sin over us. This is, he like, he will rebuke and chasten or discipline his children. He wants to make us better people so that we can be more useful for him in this life and we will have more rewards when we get to be with him in heaven. Okay, real quick. Uh, the general warning to all. Verse 22, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. The church has failed to tell me that I am a sinner. The church has failed to deal with me as a lost individual. The church has failed to offer me salvation in Christ alone. The church has failed to tell me of the horrible consequences of sin, the certainty of hell, and the fact that Jesus alone can save. We need more of the last judgment and less of the golden rule, more of the living God and the living devil as well, more of heaven to gain and hell to shun. The church must bring me not a message of cultivation, but of rebirth. I might fail that kind of church, but that kind of church will not fail me. My friend, we are living in the Laodicean period today and the church is failing to witness to the saving grace of God. We need to be true witnesses like the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to know the scriptures and to help others that are lost. They cannot, they're blind, they're stumbling in the dark because they don't have the glorious light of the gospel of God's word. We need to give them that so that they can have a true church that gives them what they need. If pastor had gone to, uh, uh, to the Roberge's house and said, be a good person and everything will work out fine, they'd still be lost. And they wouldn't know about Jesus Christ. They wouldn't have what they needed. So many people out there don't know what they need and if, they don't, if we don't give it to them, they won't receive it. They're getting the, the messages. Was it uh, Brother Piper, Piper was, was saying that yeah, just, just, just keep coming to church and, and you'll eventually grow into it. No problem. No, you don't grow into it. God reveals himself to you. And the Holy Spirit gives you the faith even to believe. And therefore, you can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you just kind of grow into it, you're, you're just changing your, your manner of, of how you deal with people. You're not changing the heart. You need the heart to be changed. And then the outward interactions with people become more natural. If you just try and do it in the flesh, you're still going to really mess up. But if you do it from the heart, 
It makes all the difference in the world. It's much easier to follow the scriptures if you have God the Holy Spirit indwelling you. That's what they need, not a social gospel. We'll just come and drink some coffee and, and, and listen to the preacher and everything will be just fine. We need the gospel. And with that, let's close in a word of prayer. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that you've given to us your word. Thank you that you are willing to discipline us to help us be better people and better servants for you. Heavenly Father, help us to stand for your word and not go along like everybody else and be part of the Laodicean church. Help us to become your true servants and help us to reach your people. Heavenly Father, be with us as we go from here and bring us back to the next appointed time. And I pray that all that we say and do will bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ and be with Pastor King and Sister Ramona as they go on their vacation, give them traveling mercies, and bring them back to us at the appropriate time. We ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.